All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this morning. And Jaime, thank you for coming all the way from Mexico City to join us today. So um, as you know, as we all know in the audience, Mexico is a longtime top trading partner of the U.S. And most of that or much of that trade happens over truck. So just to get us started, could you tell us a little bit about the landscape of the Mexican trucking industry, any changes that's happened during COVID, and uh, how, that, how the economics are looking, especially compared to some of the spot rate downturns we've seen in the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. So it has definitely been an incredible shift since COVID started. As we know, uh, since the first talk yesterday, we're all talking about reshoring and how Mexico is becoming the number one trade partner for the U.S. And that's definitely being felt in Mexico since COVID started and we had all this disruption with supply chain. Mexican carriers had incredible couple of years uh, becoming the importers and, and the modes of transportation for goods into the U.S. But since a few months ago, and more in the north of, of, of the country, uh, the spot rate has declined. And over the last 45 days, it's been over 15% that the spot rate has declined. And there are some changes in the dynamics, like probably a couple of months ago, carriers would have their some of their trailers or trucks uh, committed for not even in, in a contract, but like in the spot a modality just shippers were reserving capacity in case uh they needed it right now that's not happening anymore i also believe that in in mexico city and in the center of the country the it hasn't been filled yet felt yet it's the dynamics are quite different between the north and closer to the border i think things are felt first uh, but as we also learned yesterday, um, we believe that Mexico City and the adjacencies of Mexico City and the center of the country are also going to become uh, hubs for the cross-border operations. Hmm. So it seems like right now the areas of the country that are more dependent on U.S. trade, those are the areas that are also seeing quite a bit of downturn right now. But within th those uh, trucking carriers that are with serving Mexico or maybe serving other parts of Latin America, they're they're okay right now, it sounds like. Yes, but expecting the downturn too. Like Mexico as a country, even though that this cross-border trend is expected to be growing exponentially in the next five to 10 years, but our economy is fully connected to the U.S.'s economy. So with a little bit of a lag, and, uh, but the north of the country is much more connected directly to U.S. consumption. So the downturn has been felt first in the north. Okay. And that's especially van, reefer, I imagine, are, are some of the big areas that are really seeing a hit right now. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And tell us a little bit more about the how exactly you move freight from Mexico to the U.S. There's tons of regulations, tons of sorts of uh, hurdles in order to actually get a trailer from Mexico to the U.S. So kind of walk us through that process and what that looks like. Yeah, so actually it's not so, like a very easy process and that's why there's being a lot of innovation and disruption in the space. Um, 
there you have different alternatives. So uh, first of all, you need a customs agent, right? And and that comes with a lot of paperwork that uh, you need to. But that that can be managed through different options of customs agents. But the interesting part comes on the decision of using the same carrier to move the load through the border or doing uh, what they call in Spanish trans- transbordo or trans... I don't know if the like same... Like transload word. or... Yeah, transload, okay. like moving the load to a different carrier. And moving the load in the border, like usually these carriers have uh, patios or yards in the border where they do this logistics of moving the load Sometimes they actually move the load to a different trailer, or sometimes they just change the vehicle, like and 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 they they just lock it into another vehicle. So that's when where the strategy starts because Mexican and U.S. carriers, there's regulations on the distance that they can uh, move and navigate into the other country. And also there's regulations on the return. And sometimes they cannot do intra-country trips. So to optimize their returns and their empty miles is a challenge. Mm -hmm. And that's that's where the more strategic part of cross-border comes. Yeah, do you see any of those regulations changing in in coming years, or what what do you think that will look like, especially as our you know uh, relationship with Mexican trade uh, develops and and increases? We we expect it changes because the the way that the regulation works right now, it's not the optimal for trade to be as fluent as we need for the Mexican uh, logistics infrastructure to flourish. And, and and that's mainly because of the optimization of the empty miles and 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 the possibility of getting additional jobs in the U.S. Um, but so we expect it does evolve in in a more favorable way. Uh, but it's 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 a difficult thing. It's yeah. it's it's involved with a lot of politics. And let's see. Yeah, yeah. I was interested to learn that under NAFTA. Uh, Mexican truck drivers were supposed to be able to drive right into the U.S., but that kind of got kicked down the line, never really happened. And under the current trade agreement, that could still happen, but, um, you know, might not might not come into fruition. Um, but just to kind of change uh, gears a little bit, tell us a little bit more about how the freight payment works right now if you are a truck driver in Mexico moving that cross-border freight. Um, how does that work right now? And what, where is your company kind of looking into around that? Yeah. So the main pain point is there are so many manual and inefficient processes in order for a carrier to get their payment. And that starts from invoicing, then getting all the paperwork that your customer, that it can either be a broker, a shipper, a 3PL, asks for from you as a carrier to put together in order for you to collect. And the worst part is after this manual process comes together, your credit terms start. So if the manual process of getting all your documentation together for your customer to audit the invoice and then for your 30 payment day term to start, then 
the average payment terms in Mexico for the carriers are uh, over 60 days. Mm. And additional to that, in Mexico, the factoring products are in, in the trucking industry are not very common and have not penetrated the industry. And this is mainly because of a tax regulations and difficulties with the big shippers not letting uh, third parties buying the invoices. So there needs to be uh, some innovation. And what Solvento is doing is with um, structured uh, financial product that's actually not factoring. And we are also building that te technology to automate all the auditing process. So we're building a value proposition for the brokers and also uh, giving the option to the carriers to collect their money immediately after they deliver the goods. Hmm. Why do you think it is generally? I feel like, uh, you know, having covered this industry for the last five years, we've seen more and more freight fintech startups kind of come to the uh, come on to the to the scene. Why do you think that is? And what what do you think? Um, yeah, I'm curious what you think about this trend. Well, I think that it, it was about time that yeah. we understood how that logistics, it's not something that's needed. Like a, it's something that's strategic and it can become a competitive advantage and a competitive differentiation for, for a lot of companies. So the speed on which like logistics is all about speed and accuracy and a very important part of, of that speed is on the payment and settlement part because sometimes there are so many uh, stakeholders involved in one single operation. Like in Mexico, it's really common for a large shipper to hire a 3PL. The 3PL hires a carrier and the carrier hires an owner operator. Mm -hmm. So we have four stakeholders to move a load. And that we, we, we need to, so, so this, all, this supply chain moves as efficient as we want it to move. We need to settle these four stakeholders as fast as possible and create a single source of truth. Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge. And I think the combination of the growth and, and, and all this reshoring and this acknowledgement that logistics it can become something strategic mm -hmm. is what is uh, igniting and propelling this innovation in uh, freight tech and fintech. Yeah, it definitely seems like over the past five or 10 years, you know, supply chain was kind of that kind of forgotten, ugly sister or sibling or what have you. And now it's kind of like, oh, wait, there's all these sorts of things we can do to uh, really, really innovate and really make this uh, a competitive advantage, as, as you said. And it seems like efficiency, really trying to uh, get rid of unneeded steps and lock down certain things. That seems like it's a big part of uh making this whole industry just work a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. And what motivates, uh, motivates us a lot is, and I believe that in Mexico and in the rest of LATAM, because of different reasons, the trucking industry has evolved into an incredibly fragmented industry where at least the micro entrepreneurs and the micro truckers, owner operators have struggled crazily mm -hmm. through history and they have not been supported with the technology and with the financial tools that they need to grow their businesses and prosper. So it's crazy if you compare the growth rate of medium carriers and small carriers mm -hmm. 
like medium carriers have been growing in the past two years, uh, two digits every year in average, and micro carriers like much less, closer to two, three percent in average. And that, in our opinion, comes because of the lack of access to technology and financial tools. That's interesting. Yeah, because I feel like uh, in the U.S. in the last, you know, amid COVID, I think it's been 180,000 new small carriers, new like one to two person carriers in the last 18 months, I think, which far blows any other record. And I think I think probably all these new small business tools could be part of why all of these companies have, have started up in the last two years, along with obviously favorable spot rates and all those sorts of things. So um, it's great to hear that there's more of this kind of technology and uh, small business tools uh, coming coming across the border as well. Um, so I guess just we've got a few minutes left. I'm curious what you see We've been talking so much about uh, trade and reshoring and nearshoring at the, in this conference. I'm curious what your perspective is, what your outlook is for Mexico uh, these next few years as uh, the shift kind of moves away from China and to other countries for manufacturing. Well, we as Mexicans are true believers that we are the best alternative as a trade partner for the U.S., um, we we believe that we need uh, to have a lot of innovation and to build the right infrastructure to support the biggest consumer in the world. There are definitely some risks. And yesterday we, we learned about uh, some opinions about the risks like the cartel and other uh, risks that we definitely need to take into consideration. Uh, but if we do things the right way and uh in, in if we plan accordingly i i really believe that we this could be a sustainable strategy for the us and other north american and central south american countries to rely on mexico as a hub of uh production logistics and and manufacturing we we are super positive I think we have a lot of talent and uh, we've been neighbors for all this time. So yeah. I think we just need to get together and work as a team. Is there any sort of uh, like specialty that you feel like Mexico is really developing or any sort of like competitive like niche that you feel like manufacturing Mexico could really take off in? Well, I believe Mexican labor is amazing but i also believe that in the mexican blood and mexican culture we we're we're like warm people with incredible service level mm -hmm. so i think that's also that in when you talk about logistics and how strategic it can be the service level and customer uh, satisfaction is a key part of the strategy behind logistics so i really believe that the mexican culture uh, is built to satisfy the customer. So yeah. if we expose that, I think we can be uh, the, the best partner. Awesome. Well, great. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you.